0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Physionic Podcast. My name is Nicholas Verhoeven. I'm a PhD student in molecular medicine and have my master's in exercise physiology. I've been a researcher in cell biology and molecular biology for a number of years, and I did some nutrition training as well as undergrad. Okay, so my credentials out of the way. If you are watching this, you might notice that I've changed a few things throughout this podcast because I'm trying a live streaming platform. I'm actually not live streaming right now, but I'm attempting to use a live streaming platform. So to make the podcast experience a better experience for you. So with that in mind, what you'll see is a few graphics and stuff of the data. So in the past, I only put the data on Instagram and certainly there's still exclusive content on Instagram. So if you're not following me on Instagram, as usual, I have to plug it. So be sure to check that out. Uh, But if you are listening to this, you will see no changes, you will hear no changes, so uh, you'll be able to uh, enjoy the podcast as you always have, or hopefully you've en- been enjoying the podcast. I don't want to be presumptuous, but I assume if you're listening, then you would be as enjoying it or you're hating in in the, in the depths, in the darkness. Okay, so today we're going to be discussing a really interesting topic, uh, which is a randomized controlled trial comparing a very low carbohydrate diet and a calorie restricted low fat diet on body weight and cardiovascular risk factors in healthy women. Now this study is essentially looking at the ketogenic diet. So we're going to be looking at the ketogenic diet, how it affects uh, various different health outcomes like blood pressure, weight, fatness, leanness, uh, or lean mass, I should say, which is muscle, bone mass, things of that nature, as well as cholesterol, ketone bodies, insulin, blood glucose, or blood sugar. So a lot of different things that we'll be covering, but I'll be doing it in quick order. So this is specifically looking at women. But certainly, a lot of this would likely apply to men as well. And another note is that these women were overweight. So with that said, let's get into this podcast episode. So like I said, the study design was only in women. They had about 20 to 22 women in each condition. They only had two groups or two conditions. And there were a few stipulations that the women had to fulfill That the researchers wanted was one that these women had to be weight stable, meaning that they hadn't gained or lost more than 10% of their body weight in the last six months. Uh, These women tended to also be overweight. I don't think that was necessarily a stipulation, but considering this is a clinical trial trying to figure out if the ketogenic diet is an effective mechanism or an effective diet for reducing weight and generally increasing health, then you might want to focus on a group that actually wants to lose weight or a group that may benefit from, from uh, weight loss in this situation. So these participants all were overweight. They were all women, but they had to be weight stable over the last six months. And then so the two groups that were they were broken up into is the first group was a low-fat, high-carb group. So essentially consuming about 15 to 20% of their calories throughout the day in, uh, from fat, and then uh, the majority of their calories coming from carbohydrates. And what was unique about this group as well is not only was it the direct opposite of the ketogenic group, which was the second group, but they were also instructed to be in a calorie deficit. So they were told by the researchers, hey, this is the amount of calories that you need to consume to lose weight. Now, the ketogenic diet group, which was the, it's written when it, when you're actually looking at the data, if you want to look, again, if you're just listening to this, I'll have links to my Instagram as well as the paper so you can look at the data yourself. But I'll be describing as we go go along. Uh, the, the name for it is a high-fat, low-carb diet. So that you know, or it's also known as a very low carbohydrate diet. And I think that's actually what they end up going with a very low carbohydrate diet being more, uh, telling of the actual ketogenic condition. So they don't actually say ketogenic, but very low carbohydrate tends to be at least ketogenic like, so we'll go with that. And there's going to be some proof that they were in ketosis, uh, later on. So we're going to, we're going to dive into that as well. So the two groups, again, were a high carb, low fat with calorie restriction or ketogenic, meaning very low carbohydrate, high fat without necessary calorie restriction. So if they ended up in a calorie restricted state, that's great. But the researchers weren't specifically telling them you have to be in a calorie restricted state from day to day. And the participants, so the study overall lasted for six months. So pretty long study. Uh, but for the first three months of that study, all participants were allowed to meet with a dietitian or a counselor, nutrition counselor, uh, every week for three months. Then, after those initial three months, then they were not required to meet with a dietitian. So in total six months, first three months were probably a little more regimented, a little more systematic than the final three months. But luckily we have data after the first three months, as well as after the the six month mark. And finally, the participants in both groups were the same in terms of their weight, their age, and their body fat percentage. So again, really important, especially if you want to compare between groups, and that's essentially what we're doing. We're kind of pitting the uh, low-fat, high-carb group with the calorie restriction versus the ketogenic group, and I'm going to keep saying ketogenic just because that's easier than me constantly saying very low-carbohydrate versus high-carbohydrate. Okay, so let's jump into the results. Uh, The first thing that they looked at was body weight and composition, or body composition, and if you're watching this uh, podcast, I'm only gonna be throwing up the, the body weight measure at, at this point, but I've got everything nicely outlined. So you, you'll be able to, to look at the data pretty, pretty easily. So with body weight specifically, they found that both groups did lose weight, so which makes sense, uh, especially with uh, necessary caloric restriction for the high carb group or the low fat group, both are the same thing. But interestingly, the keto group, the ketogenic group did lose more weight after 12 weeks. So at the 12 week mark and beyond, they did lose more weight, not massively more, but uh, certainly a little bit. So a few kilograms. uh, Well, actually, now that I think about it, I guess a few kilograms is is pretty significant. So we'll be touching on why that might be the case uh, later on in the podcast at the end of the podcast. So both groups lost weight. So both diets were effective, but the keto group lost more weight. Now, I don't have this for the uh, visual audience, but I do have, uh, I'll, again, I'll link the study. So they also looked at lean body mass. So lean body mass being muscle mass, bone mass, or really anything that's not fat mass. And what they found is that there was a reduction in lean body mass in the ketogenic group, which is really interesting because that means that maybe, or actually most likely, it's almost certain, that some of that added weight loss that came in the ketogenic group over the low-fat diet group, that weight loss, at least partly, is due to a loss of lean mass. And again, we'll discuss what might be going on there uh, a little bit later on. But really interestingly, and I really love that the researchers did this, is that they went ahead and measured bone mineral density. So like I said, lean mass is broken up largely between muscle and bone. And there are other things as well, but largely muscle and bone So they wanted to then test, well, let's test bone. Let's see if we see any uh, decreases in bone mineral density. And they found no changes. So this does imply that most likely that lean mass loss is coming from muscle or some other lean mass, which is not bone. But let's be real, most likely it's going to be uh, from, from the musculature. So then moving on to, so in that, I guess you could say keto wins in, in a way in terms of weight loss, overall weight loss. Uh, and I guess I didn't mention this, I, I'll backtrack real quick. Uh, the keto group did lose more body fat as well. So not only did they actually lose lean mass, which the, the low fat diet group did not lose lean mass, but the keto group did also as an advantage, also lost more body fat. So pretty, pretty interesting results that are going on here. Okay. So now let me move on to, uh, blood pressure and, uh, cholesterol. So for the, Oh, put the wrong one up. Sorry, folks on the video. Okay blood pressure and cholesterol. So there's a lot of numbers there if you're actually watching it, or if you're looking at the data, but hopefully it's outlined well enough for you. But I'll walk you through it, especially if you're on the audio podcast. So for blood pressure and cholesterol, they found, and they found, again, because they're comparing between the two diets, that blood pressure did not change between the two groups. As a matter of fact, I can go ahead and tell you that blood pressure and cholesterol and triglycerides all did not change between the groups. So there was no advantage to being, being on a ketogenic diet, nor was there an advantage to being on a high carb, low fat diet. However, and although I just praised the researchers for, for looking at bone mineral density, looking, you know, to eliminate bone potential uh, as a potential Uh, reason for that lean mass, uh, giving us a little more clue that we're losing muscle mass or that we're losing something related to, to muscle. What they fail to do in this study is to actually compare between the different time points within a diet. So for example, you have the ketogenic diet at baseline, then the ketogenic diet was measured again at the three month mark. And then they were measured at the end of the study, which was the six month mark. But and we have the data for all that, but they don't actually run statistics on those which is really, really unfortunate because there's some really interesting stuff here. So I'm gonna talk about them, but just be sh- be sure to know that there aren't actual statistics that were run on this. Therefore, we can't actually make any strong or really any massive conclusions off of what I'm about to tell you. But between, because all the statistics that have been run have been just, just between the between the groups. So at this point, Looking at blood pressure, if you, if you do actually look at the different time points, you find that there is a slight decrease in blood pressure in the keto group, uh, compared to the baseline. So at the three month mark, you see a decrease in blood pressure, not a dramatic decrease, but a little bit of a decrease. Uh, Also with cholesterol, there was a decrease in the first three months of the keto group, And then it bounced back up to baseline level. So it never became elevated, but it bounced back after, you know, by comparison of the three months to the six month uh, time point, there was a bounce back in cholesterol. And really interestingly as well, is that HDL or high density lipoprotein uh, cholesterol was also uh, increased, which is typically seen as a benefit when it comes to when you're looking at cholesterol, because we consider HDL high density lipoprotein cholesterol as uh, quote unquote good cholesterol. So, again, I'm telling you what I'm seeing. You can look at the data and you can see that there's some pretty sizable jumps in all of these different measures, but can we definitively say? Unfortunately, we can't, we will never be able to, unless, uh, the researchers go back to the raw data and end up running the statistics on that to actually be able to give us a conclusive mathematically controlled model to assess is, is there a difference or not? So overall though, what we can definitely take away from this is that blood pressure and cholesterol are not at least negatively affected by, uh, the ketogenic diet, at least in this context. So now I'd like to uh, move on to blood glucose and hormones, which I guess I forgot to mention that in, uh, the initial, in the initial introduction that we're also going to be looking at a few hormones. I mentioned insulin, but there's another one that they also look at. So if you're on the audio po- podcast, uh, I just threw up some data on Blood glucose, as well as insulin, which is related to blood glucose, and then leptin, which is uh, the fat secreted or largely fat secreted hormone. It's also secreted from the stomach and a few other areas, but largely fat secreted hormone, which essentially tells us a little bit about the energy state of the body. And then beta hydroxybutyrate, which is a ketone. And this is how we're going to be able to tell at what stages that this ketogenic diet group was in ketosis. So here we're seeing, again, by comparison between the two groups, is that the glucose condition at the six-month mark or at the three-month mark in the keto group was not different, again, or not statistically different from the low-fat diet group. So again, we're seeing no real benefit. Again, same thing with insulin, same thing with leptin. But we do see a difference when it comes to beta-hydroxybutyrate. Again, that ketone. Now, why might that be? Well, seems pretty obvious. If you're in a ketogenic, on a ketogenic diet, then you would hope that you'd end up in ketosis. So they see a difference between the two diets The low-fat diet does not have elevated uh, ketones, which makes absolute sense, because why would it? It's low-fat, and you're getting mass consumption of carbohydrates, so metabolism is going to be focused on a carbohydrate-centric metabolism. And the high fat condition, again, the ketogenic condition, saw elevated levels at the three month mark. However, interestingly, they did not see differences at the six month mark. So that means that beta hydroxybutyrate, let me quick minimize this. So beta hydroxybutyrate increased at the three month mark and then dipped back down to baseline levels at the six month mark. Now that is really interesting and I'll explain that in just a bit, but I actually want to uh, first jump to their diets and that's how I'm going to be able to really explain this. So if we look at the diet composition, I'll just tell you about it. that during the first three months, the keto group was consuming about 15% carbohydrates, which is actually still pretty high for a keto group. Or I guess technically this is the very low carbohydrate group. So was it strictly keto? Not really. But we did still see an effect on ketosis. We saw them entering ketosis with elevated uh, beta-hydroxybutyrate levels, or at least we can say they had elevated ketones. So with 15% carbohydrates and almost 60% of their calories are coming from fat. Then the low fat group was consuming around 50% carbohydrates, so massively, you know, much, much more over three times as many carbohydrates. And over the final three months of the full six months, so again, there's three months, then they measured, then there were another three months, and then they measured. The keto group shockingly consumed 30% carbohydrates. So still significantly less than the low fat diet group or the high carb group, however you want to end up defining it or saying it, but 30% carbohydrates, of course, that's going to knock you out of any... semblance of ketosis, and that's exactly what we saw with that data that I had put up on the screen. Again, if you're watching this, but I also told you that beta-hydroxybutyrate increased at the three-month mark. That's the point where they're consuming 15%, only 15% of their calories from carbohydrates, and then suddenly gets knocked back down to baseline levels once they get up to that 30%. So that's a pretty strong association there of what's going on. So, okay, so what does this tell us? We didn't see any changes in blood glucose, uh, although, again, I will mention that there seemed to be a decrease in the keto condition, which would make sense if you're fat-reliant. And this this bears out in all kinds of literature that if you're in a high-fat state, then your blood glucose levels tend to dip some. But again, they didn't run statistics on it, so I can't necessarily say... Uh, And again, insulin was no different. Leptin was no different. Only the beta hydroxybutyrate was different at the three month mark. So what does this overall mean? What can we actually take away and what conclusions can we get from this particular uh, paper? Well, keto leads to more weight loss than the low fat diet. We saw that both diets led to weight loss, but we saw that keto led to more weight loss. Well, why is that? Well, one reason is apparently a loss in lean mass. And that is really difficult to explain, but I will touch on that uh, just in a little bit. But the second reason is likely, and this this actually bears out in literature as well, that you get greater satiety that comes from the ketogenic diet. So having a high fat, kind of moderate, kind of low, moderate, protein, but certainly low carbohydrate, leads to greater satiety. So although these individuals were not instructed to be in a caloric deficit, they ended up in a caloric deficit. So that would then imply that they had greater satiety. Now, it would have been absolutely fantastic if they had done some measures on some of these satiety hormones. That would have been really fantastic, but they didn't end up doing that. So we're kind of extrapolating based off of what we know. And it does seem that calorically speaking, if you look at their diets, they also did tend to consume less calories. So that makes sense. That ends up bearing out. So a uh, ketogenic diet has a satiety effect, which is nice, nice and beneficial. Now, then turning our attention to the lean mass, what's going on there? Why would the ketogenic diet suddenly lose some lean mass? And I'll be covering this. Uh, I'm actually going to be asking the Instagram uh, community about this just to get some of their thoughts. But I'm going to present some of my thoughts here. Uh, So one reason is because a greater decrease in glycogen content. That's a possibility. Uh, I, I, I can't remember and I don't I really can't remember if there's that dramatic of a difference in glycogen loss. So glycogen being the sugar molecules that that accumulate in our musculature. So when we're consuming enough to at least maintain our weight, our glycogen stores in our musculature is completely full. But when we start losing weight, one of the very first things that drops and why we see that initial drop in weight loss, you might lose like four pounds in like three days is because of glycogen. It's water weight Uh, because as glycogen gets removed from the musculature, water also gets moved out of the musculature. So, and with the ketogenic diet, you do see pretty uh, far more dramatic changes in glycogen. But if that if that effect persists over let's say 12 weeks which is where we first saw those effects because overall there weren't any any at least statistically significant differences Although by by the eye if you look at the the data it does seem like there's a a a difference already you know kind of within the first like few weeks of of the ketogenic diet um, that the ketogenic diet is starting to pull away from the low fat diet but at least statistically, there's only at the 12-week mark that we actually see a statistical difference in the ketogenic diet having a lower or a greater effect on weight loss and body fatness. So, could that be because of glycogen content being depleted even more because you're 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 massively uh, reducing your sugar intake? Your, carbohydrate intake i should say although technically it gets converted to blood glucose and then blood glucose gets converted to glycogen so is that a possibility absolutely Uh, however is that like is it likely that that's the only possibility i would say probably not there's probably something else going on there as well so is it some sort of indirect mechanism that leads to catabolism of musculature that's a possibility. Is it also possible that these people weren't able to perform their exercise uh, like they normally would? I don't think that they were actually prescribed exercise during this study, but if there were individuals that were exercising or trying to lift weights or whatever it might be, then that's going to have an effect on them because they're not going to be able to pump out nearly as many repetitions. So that's going to affect their musculature. Uh, Now that's certainly a stretch because that would, that would be really, really tough to tease out. Um, So that's certainly a stretch, but I, I would venture to say that there's something else going on there and I can't answer that, but if you've got any sort of theories, any hypotheses, feel free to reach out, you know, add a comment or uh, hop on over to Instagram and send me, send me a message, or you can email me as well if, if, if you only have email. Uh, I'd be interested in your take. Definitely let me know what you think. Is there maybe an indirect mechanism by which the ketogenic diet or uh, has a, a negative effect on musculature in people who are losing weight, who are a losing weight, and two may not be exercising? They may or may not. We don't know, but uh, most likely these people were sedentary. And so the next topic or the next uh, conclusion, and I do want to mention this because I didn't mention this earlier, is that keto had the, the ketogenic group actually massively consumed saturated fats. And I find this really, really interesting because we always demonize saturated fats and whatnot. And I'm not at all saying that saturated fats are uh, the best thing in the world. They, they certainly uh, may still have negative effects. I would venture to say that they do. Uh, however, at least in the context of weight loss, and that is, I can't bold <laughs> that enough in, in, in vocal terms. I'm j- just, so you know, I'm bolding it. So there's, there's a, uh, it's in bold lettering that in the context of weight loss, that the ketogenic diet with a massive increase in saturated fat intake, I'm talking, there's a double percentage. So the low fat diet group was consuming around nine to 10% of their fats from saturated fat. The ketogenic diet was consuming around 20% of their fats from the ketogenic, from, from uh, saturated, we excuse me, we're consuming 20% of their fats were saturated fats. However, that is a percentage basis. Keep in mind that the low fat diet group was consuming exactly that, low fat. So they were consuming an absolute number that was much lower in saturated fat by comparison to the ketogenic diet group. So the ketogenic diet group wasn't just consuming double the saturated fat, they were probably consuming three or four times the amount of saturated fat that the low fat diet group was consuming. And yet, we still didn't see any negative effects on their blood pressure, cholesterol, any of that over a six-month period, at least by comparison to the low-fat diet group. So that is incredibly telling information right there that saturated fat may at least if we were to assume, and I'm not saying anything definitively, but if we were to assume that saturated fat is terrible for your health, at least in the context of weight loss, it doesn't seem to have as dramatic or any negative effect on your health in relation to these measures, blood pressure, cholesterol, blood glucose, insulin, leptin, etc, etc, etc. So, you don't see any sort of pathology that comes from, uh, saturated fat in the context of weight loss. Okay. So then the keto group, and I mentioned this earlier that the keto group was not in a keto ketosis like condition the entire time they were only in ketosis for about the first three months. And then they weren't in the final three months, or at least at the the tail end of that three months. So, and What's interesting, as I mentioned, although we didn't have any statistical proof of this, we could only look at the numbers, there was a a rebound. So in certain instances, there were decreases in blood pressure, decreases in cholesterol at the three-month mark with the ketogenic group, and then it rebounded back up to baseline levels at the six-month mark. So is there, I pose the question then to you, is there a potential there that the key, that, that ketosis leads to a positive effect on blood pressure, has a positive effect on cholesterol that is independent of the ketogenic diet itself, or the weight loss itself, uh, more specifically the weight loss itself. Because we see an association with uh, ketosis goes up, blood pressure goes down, cholesterol goes down ketosis goes away, blood pressure rises a little bit, cholesterol rises a little bit. I'm definitely stretching here, but I'm just saying it's definitely something that warrants further investigation. I will put it at that and try to be as scientifically minded as I possibly can be, but it is still exciting. Okay, so overall, through everything, all of this data that we've looked at, that we've discussed, what does this mean? It means that both diets lead to weight loss. Both diets have no negative effects on health. And this is specifically applicable to overweight women who are in their 40s. But I would imagine this is likely true for really anyone, any woman of any age, uh, but likely true for men as well that are overweight. Now, would you necessarily see these effects in people that are uh, considered quote unquote normal weight or uh, healthy weight or whatever you want to call it or in other groups? Well, we don't know that, but at least, and I would venture to say that you probably see some sort of positive effect as well, probably the same type of effect, but would it be as drastic? Probably not. Okay. So that was a lot of information. I've been talking for about half an hour here and hopefully uh, if you're watching this, please let me know if you appreciate, if you actually like seeing the data come up on the screen and whatnot. If you are listening to this, then I hope that this was informative for you. And as always, you can check out everything on Instagram. I have a few added components that I add. I like to throw riddles at people. I like to get people thinking about what might be going on. I certainly engage a lot more on there because uh, I have a smaller following on there. So that's why I'm trying to increase it, which makes sense, right? But anyway, thanks for stopping by. Thanks for stopping by the Physionic Podcast. Thanks for listening to me talk about uh, data on uh, this really interesting study. And I will catch you next time. Have a good one, guys. See ya.